Welcome to Nepal Now, where we look at new ideas and initiatives to move the country forward. My name is Marty Logan. Today is the first episode in our new series, Nepal Then and Now, where we'll talk with former guests and catch up on their work and lives. We created the series partly in response to feedback we got in our recent survey, that episodes were too long. If you are one of the listeners who felt that way, or even if you're not, please let us know what you think about this approach. I'm really happy that our first guest in the series is filmmaker Deepak Rauniar. Yes, I consider him a friend, but it's also because I'm impressed by how deeply he thinks about his craft and how quickly he's become a world-class director. Deepak's films to date include Chaukat, Threshold in English, Highway, the first Nepali movie to be screened at a major international festival, and White Sun, which premiered at the Venice Film Festival in 2016, where it was nominated as Best Film. Like many of us, Deepak got sidelined by COVID-19, particularly his project to make his next Nepal-based feature film, The Sky is Mine. There is now a new tentative date for shooting to start, as you'll hear in our conversation. But unlike some of us, Deepak didn't use the pandemic as an excuse to spend more time on Netflix. Instead, he made another movie. He and his collaborator and wife, Asha Magrati, created the short film Four Nights, which debuted at the prestigious Berlin International Film Festival in February, where it was nominated for the Golden Bear Award. Slightly more challenging, Deepak explains, is his new gig teaching film studies full-time at a U.S. university. Please listen now to my Nepal Then and Now chat with Deepak Raniar. You'll find a link to our earlier interview in the episode notes. Deepak Raniar, welcome to Nepal Now podcast. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. We talked uh, the first time. You were one of the very first guests on the podcast, so thanks again for doing that. Uh, and it was almost two years ago. So I think a lot has been happening in your professional life since then. And one of the things I definitely want to ask you about was your short film, Four Nights, which uh, was accepted at the prestigious Berlinale Film Festival earlier this year. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I think uh, we shot this from last year, uh, like it's our first film that is based in the U.S., we had not done any film here, but we have been living in the uh, had been living in New York about, at that time at least ten years. So we thought about doing something that reflects our life in New York because you know until now our work has mostly been based in Nepal. So this short film got accepted to a Berlin competition and we premiered earlier this year and was nominated for prestigious Berlinale Beer Golden Beer Award. Okay, well, that's a big honor. You must have been pretty excited about that. Yeah, it was quite uh, a big thing for like a, like any filmmaker dreams to premiere at one A-list festival. And it's not our first, but every time you have that success and you have that community, you're excited for sure, right? Yeah, definitely. It makes sense. Full disclosure, uh, I haven't seen the film yet, but I've read some reviews online and it seems like it's a very personal story about your relationship. And I, I don't think you're trying to disguise that it's you and Asha. It's your life that's shown in the film. 
did you have any hesitancy about doing such a personal film? Uh, our all films has been personal in some way, and I think I really believe in personal cinema. Cinema coming from yourself, like a story that you bring, that's what I think it makes it original rather than uh, trying to depict someone else's life. Uh, so in some way, any films or any film had been personal. This may be a bit more, but it's still it's fictional. It's a fictional story. It's a narrative. So it's not 100% what happened to us. Uh, it's just borrowing from the life that we lived in New York and trying to push it down to 16 minutes. And you don't like 10 years of life cannot be a 16 minute film. So this, I know this isn't your first shorter film, right? Your first one, Chao Kat, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, or one of your first was about the same length. But then since then, you've done these feature length films. Was it tough to go back to a shorter film or? Yeah, really? because I think once I started making short films, I didn't yet have international film exposure. I didn't. I think I was still learning and very early in process of that. And most times the filmmaker only make short films as a ticket to feature films. But we wanted to revisit uh, this genre, which felt quite liberating to do a film without getting approvals from others and like express something that you can, um, you like to. And I think we really liked it that we're making it now. And I encourage anyone, like I think, if, because you know, like I think making a feature film sometimes takes several years, several companies, several people to read and approve, give you money, and it, it's very costly. And short films can be made thoughtfully, quite well, with very little money and very little resources and very little time. And you can still express fully. Right. So it's like the, the same, if I can say the same quality type of art you're creating, but just uh, in, in a much smaller package. And so it's easier to, to put it all together. Yeah, because you don't have same, uh, same amount of cost. So if you don't have same amount of cost, you don't involve so many people. And if you don't involve so, so many people, you don't need so many approvals. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So then now I think is a good time to talk about your other ongoing project which is a feature film we talked about last time. It's uh, tentatively titled The Sky is Mine. And I know that uh, it's, again, going to be set in Nepal. It's got a big, broad kind of um, scope. We did talk about this. I, I encourage people listening to go back to that previous episode if you want to hear more discussion about, about the film's plot and, and a lot of the thinking that went behind creating the film. But... For now, I know that there have been delays, mainly because of COVID. Where are you at now with that film? Do you have any definite dates for starting shooting? We're ho still hoping to shoot sometime uh, September, October, and November this year. And we have locked everything, like thinking about actors. We just cast Tanista Chatterjee, uh, is one of the Indian actors well-known in festival circuit in India itself for one of the role, and Asha Magrathi, my wife and co collaborator, would play one of the lead. And Diangra is one also my collaborator in last films, but is going to play the, another important character. So most of the like, actors has been cast, crew has been fixed, and we thinking, still hoping to be able to shoot later this year. But again, it depends on how the COVID would be at that, that, that time. It's quite a big film, and it quite, requires quite a big crowd of people to make um, it possible. 
and also like uh, we were ready to shoot in 2020 and financing was in the place, but COVID changed everything and we still are struggling to find a little bit of money to complete the financing. So if we are able to put that money together and the COVID is not threatening, we would be able to shoot it. Okay, fingers crossed. I really hope you can do it finally this year. Um, it, it must it must be a bit frustrating, huh? It is, or a lot a lot frustrating. It is like I think it takes a long time to put a film together, and then you have a natural disaster, disaster like COVID, where you cannot avoid anything. And because of the COVID, market is had changed totally, and financiers are not that confident that you used to be before to put the money in. And so that's has also created a huge delay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Raising money is a, one of the toughest parts of this whole of this whole profession, right? Yeah, and especially belonging to a country like where Nepal or US both does not have a cooperation treaty with any other countries and does not have much financing internally uh, to support him like that. Uh, that creates a huge another problem. And in terms of the script itself, so we talked two years ago, and I'm pretty sure the script was almost done at that point. So you had been thinking about and working on this film for, uh, you know, uh, years now, more than two and probably close to five or more. At this point, do you do you feel any temptation to kind of go back and rethink it? Is it a bit of a risk that when you look back at when you first started thinking about it, you want to change something? Is is there a risk in doing that or not really? It's all set and ready to go. Uh, it's uh, Writing is always ongoing process. For me, like writing doesn't stop uh, until you really lock the film and send it out to market. So writing continues until editing the film and you're locking the films uh, very like last is premieres or releases in market. So it's been ongoing. And it will continue go, being rewritten as we shoot and with, as we edit and finalize the film. Okay, and do you see that anything in the the environment of Nepal, anything, because this film, as we discussed, is very uh, contextual. It's very based in the social, social and cultural conditions and the tensions within Nepal has a lot to do with race and caste and, and all of these issues we discussed. From your perspective, have there been any changes to any of that since you started this project? Not really. Like, Marty, you live in Nepal as well. You know, like, our caste and racial or gender issues have not really updated in any, any way. We haven't changed. We have not progressed. May have gotten more worse in some cases. Like, I think you, because of media, now we get to hear more of things happening. Uh, maybe something 10 years ago was not being reported, but now gets reported and gets talked about. It's more vocal. That's one thing has one part may have changed. Otherwise, our society hasn't changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that I, uh, there is more discussion and hope, we hope that leads to some change, some positive change, but it's, it is very slow. If it's happening, it's definitely very slow. I agree with you there. So let's switch topics again very quickly and talk about something completely, well, not completely, but very different, which is your role as uh, a teacher. Now you're working uh, as a professor or 
assistant associate professor you're at now? Uh, my position is assistant uh, professor for film studies. Right. Okay. At the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So how is this for you? I mean, is it, does it feel completely different from working as a filmmaker or do you find that it's kind of natural to be in front of students and talking about how you do what you do and helping them also make films? Um, I had been teaching from the last couple of years. Uh, even in New York, I taught at Hunter and City College. I did a class with Sundance Collab. And, you know, like I've been running a lab workshop in Nepal from the past two years. So teaching was not new, but this in some way was new that I accepted a full-time position. Uh, we had like long debate about it because it does impact on my work. Uh, no one would like to take a full-time job if you, if you can avoid it. But it was difficult, uh, COVID going on and not sure like when the next one would happen. So we decided to come, uh, decided to change uh, perspective and take a full-time job still hoping to make uh, continue ma making films in the same way. Uh, teasing is like, I put a lot of thought on like what profession could be a substitute for filmmaking. And teasing is the closest one where you get to talk about what you do. And like it takes four to five years to make a film. And in between being able to talk about the films and make films with your students in a regular basis, it's in a way, it's very helpful. I have enjoyed a lot as well because I get to uh, make work continuously and also inspire them. So I have enjoyed uh, the process. Like I enjoyed the classrooms uh, and working with them, mentoring them and doing work. It's been like kind of fulfilling. It's been very satisfactory. Oh, that's great to hear. And has there been anything surprising, like either negative or positive about the experience? Like, I didn't expect it to take so much time. But of <laughs> course, it consumes most of the times. And that's exhausting sometimes because I think you have 40, 45 students here to mentor. And you have like similar about like 15 to 20 people in Nepal that you talk regularly. So I think it's about 60 people getting touched, reading their work and talking to them in continuous basis. It's exhausting sometimes. So that's, I didn't expect it. But otherwise, uh, if I can manage between uh, work and teaching, uh, it's kind of satisfactory, it's kind of fulfilling. It's being able to like seeing them, writing something from scratch, inspiring them to put in stories from their life and seeing that coming to the on screen and being a whole process part of them. Uh, it's really like amazing to see someone making their work. Mm, yeah, it sounds quite fulfilling. Has anything happened in the classroom that made you look at what you're doing as a filmmaker or maybe on a particular project, but just in general, like have you, has there been any kind of illumination for yourself when you're interacting with the students? Yes, uh, a lot. Like because I think it's different than you making a work on your own. Uh, 
But the same thing, if you need to explain someone, you have more need to do more research, was and analyze and think about and express them. That process somewhat teaches you as well. It's not one way road. It also both way road. You workshop with them, and you learn something like this work. It does not work. So in, in daily basis, you are also uh, bettering yourself in some way, and that has helped me my, in the, my writing, my way of thinking, cinema, like filming the film. And I think it it has been a, like on the job training kind of for me as well. Well, that sounds uh, sounds fantastic, Deepak. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for being the first guest on this series, uh, our short series, Nepal Then and Now. I hope that uh, you manage to you know balance this new these new kind of responsibilities in your life with with teaching and filmmaking. I'm sure you'll find a way to to work it out, and I really hope that we get to meet here in the fall. You'll make it here in the fall. You'll you'll be able to do your shooting and then we can meet sometime while you're here working hard on your film. Thank you, Marty. It's an honor to be the first guest and being able to talk to you. And I think, um, yeah, we we'll look forward to uh, time soon if uh, we get to come to Nepal and to see you in person. Thank you. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again to Deepak Rauniar for taking time from his very busy life in film to speak to Nepal now. What did you think about this episode? Share your thoughts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. We're at Nepal Now or at Nepal Now Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And it would be really helpful if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all for this time. My name is Marty Logan. I'll talk to you again soon.